Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everybody. J.J. Cooper, Kyle Glazer here on another Baseball America podcast brought to you by MyBookie. We are here today. Kyle and I are going to talk about the playoff schedule has been released. We don't know who's going to be in it, but things we do know now. We know where it's going to be, and more importantly, we know that we're going to have a cavalcade of baseball unlike we've ever had before. On the second day of the wild card round, where you have the AL and the NL both playing, we are guaranteed – weather permitting, and uh, in this case, is weather is likely to permit. It is weather permitting. We will have eight games. We could have eight games the next day after that as well. Then we're going to have, in the second round of the playoffs, best of fives, they will be playing five straight days. In the LCSs, best of seven, they will be playing, once you start the series, you will play seven straight days. So then we have the World Series, which will have the more traditional couple of days off in the middle, you know, the travel days as we normally have. But it does make this a playoffs unlike we've ever had before. Obviously, 16 teams is also unlike we've ever had before. But Kyle, when you look at this, what is – is it the 16 teams? Is it the no off days? Is it that we're playing at neutral sites? What is it that stands out most to you about how different this playoffs is than ever before? It's all of it. I think probably the biggest thing is that 16 teams, you have an additional round now, a best of three, and we all know in any three-game series, anything can happen. A lot of times we saw teams you know, talk about, oh, a best of five series, anything can happen. That was when they had fans in the stands. They had you know, a true home field advantage. Now you're talking about best of three where – I mean, it's, it's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen, and we're going to see some upsets. Looking at the big picture, seeing how there's no off days during the wildcard round, division series, or championship series, to me, pitching depth, which is always, always, always important, has now become even more so because a lot of the things we like to teams would do, three starters, have guys on short rest, use the same bullpen guys over and over, you can't do that now. No, I, 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 this is going to be fascinating. And, and one thing that I also stood out, I was talking to a scout today, we were just discussing it and made a very good, he made a very good point, which was no one's prepared for this. And what I mean by that is, is that all of this happened. Now there may have been suspicions that this was going to be the format. There may have been ideas that this was going to be the format, but there is not a team out there who went into the season or went into the trade deadline, knowing that, the playoffs was going to be a sprint, not a, you know, load up on your best starters, load up on a couple of your best relievers and count on the off days to help you get through. So it, and, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because this is not unusual for baseball. I, I think that this actually, I don't think 
without neutral sites, which I'm not giantly a, a giant fan of in a non-coronavirus world for the playoffs, without neutral sites, you can't really do this because you need travel days. But having a best of seven or a best of five series in which you play five straight or seven straight is more like the regular season. It's more like how baseball is determined during the totality of a normal 162-game season. And it puts an emphasis on pitching, starting pitching, and bullpen depth in a way that the playoffs normally doesn't do. I don't know about you, but I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of anything that makes it more important for your starters to actually have to pitch deep into games. We're not going to see the same amount of guys who – go four and two-thirds innings, give up three hits and two runs, and the manager comes out and pulls them. Now they have to let these guys go. They have to let them figure it out because if you start doing that over and over again, start trying to piggyback guys, you're going to run out of pitchers very, very fast. You don't have those built-in off days during the series where you can give a guy a day's rest or two days of rest. I think the biggest thing for me, you mentioned what teams were aware of and what they weren't. We knew that there was going to be this extra round, that 16 teams were going to be in it. There was a pretty strong inkling that home field or neutral sites were going to be the way they were going to do this from the division series on. Really, it's that aspect of not having days off within the series. Each team will have at least one day off between series, division, wild cards, division series, division series to LCS, LCS to World Series, potentially more if they wrap up their series early. But you're right, having it be this sprint where it is like the regular season where you have to really use everyone in your bullpen. You have to use your full starting rotation because you don't have those artificial breaks in the postseason you don't get in the regular season. It is going to make it a little more like real regular season baseball. And I do like that aspect. So it is going to be interesting that way. I want to continue this, but we do have a, we're going to go to a quick message real quick, and then we'll be back to talk more about what this means for pitching. Hey, if you're a guy, I've done it. You check, you, you take the shower in the morning and you see, is there more hair around the drain than there used to be? I'm fortunate so far. The answer for me has been no, but I know that there's a lot of you out there. That's not the case. And if that is the case for you, if you are one of the two or th of every three guys who experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35, the best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. And how can you do that with keeps? You can get treated at home. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for a hair loss prescription. But with Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor's visits. And it's, they offer the generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but you've never been able to do so at this kind of price. Keeps treatments usually take between four to six months to see results. So it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. For a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you are ready to act, go to keeps.com slash baseball America. That's keeps.com slash baseball America, one word, and you'll receive your first month of treatment free. That's keeps.com slash baseball America, K-E-E-P-S dot com. And we're back. So Kyle, I, I'm actually going to say, I think that we still are. I think we are going to absolutely see bullpen days during this because I look at these teams and as there are teams out there who have credible four or maybe in a few cases, five starters. 
But I absolutely look at teams out there who don't have a credible number four, who don't have a credible number five. And with a 28-man roster, which does mean you're going to have to go deeper into your bullpen to make this work than you would like to. But I still think that there are absolutely teams that are going to look at this. And after they get past their race, after they get past their number two, and, maybe, and probably their number three, they're going to look at that game four. And they're going to say, do I want to hand the ball to, oh, I don't know, Kyle Wright, and say, I'm expecting you to get five innings? Which, hey, he did it. He did it against the Nationals last week. Or am I going to say, you know, uh, again, a lot of these teams, am I going to say to Mike, you know, maybe Mike Miner. Mike Miner had a really good outing, you know, recently for the, for the A's. But am I going to do that? Or am I going to say, you know what, go out there and get me three innings. We have another guy, our number five starter, we're going to ask him to do, to try to get us six to eight to nine outs too, and then turn it over after that. I still think we're going to see that because I think that these teams are going to look at it and say, this guy had trouble during the regular season giving us 15 outs. I'm really not confident he can do it in the crucible of the postseason. There's no question we're going to see it, but it's a heavy advantage to the teams who don't have to do that, the teams that do have those four starters. There's no question. A lot of teams don't have that. You look at the Phillies, for example. It's Aaron Nola. It's Zach Wheeler. Jake Arrieta, Zach Eflin, and Vince Velasquez have all struggled this year. Neither of those three guys you feel great about giving the ball to. You look at the Cubs. You Darvish and Kyle Hendricks have been excellent. Alec Mills just threw that no-hitter. That was beautiful, and he's been solid this year. John Lester has really struggled. Tyler Chatwood's hurt and wasn't that effective either. There's a lot of teams out here who don't have the, this guy, this number four starter, and like you said, some cases, number three starter. So for me now, with the way that this is structured, I look now for the teams that do have those three to four starters, really four, I should say, that you feel good about giving the ball to. I look at a team like the Cardinals, Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, Dakota Hudson, Kwon Young Kim, four healthy, effective starters. They now have an edge that they did not have going into this postseason until the schedule was released. The Dodgers, if Walker Bueller comes back healthy and they can go Bueller, Kershaw, May, one of Urias Gonsolin, that's a really good top four. Again, Bueller's been on the IL twice with blister issues. He needs to keep those at bay. Right. But, it, but thankfully, yeah. it's a blister. It's not a shoulder injury right. or something. You know, the White Sox, if Dallas Keuchel's back spasms don't come back, they can go Keuchel, Giolito, Dylan Cease, and then the way Dane Dunning's throwing the ball, I, I feel okay yeah. giving him the ball. Or you can, you know, use one of Gio Gonzalez or Ronaldo Lopez if you really have to. Some teams, the teams that have this fourth guy, are at such an advantage now. And again, I look at a team like the Cardinals where going into this, I'd say, okay, you know, it depends on the matchup. And if a couple guys get hot, like it wasn't a team I was going to be like, ooh, I really like their chances. Now with the way this schedule has set up, I really like their chances to at least get out of the first round and maybe put a scare into some teams just because they have those four legit healthy starters. I, two other teams I would add to that is, is I look at the Yankees and, you know, I, I, I do think that they have, even with uh, Paxton being hurt, I do think that they have at least four, uh, you know, the guys, if, if you count Debbie Garcia, who I think has shown enough that again, not you would want him as a one or two or a three, but if you said that he's your fourth starter, they also have Jordan Montgomery. You know, I think that they fit in that. And I think the twins, especially if Homer Bailey comes back, the twins really, Barrios is pitching back to kind of, you know, he's back into fine form. But, but more than anything, I don't know if they necessarily have an ace, 
but they also have four, five, maybe, you know, when you, now that Pineda's back as well, they have five guys, I think, that are all solid starters. And, and that's probably, you know, very usefulness. The thing I'll point out about this is we're talking about, number, about four starters. The second round, as we said, is a best of five. And it's five straight days. So if you make it through the first round and somehow you don't have to go your ace in the opener, because if you go your ace in the opener, to, to have them come back in the opener of the second round is going to require either you finished it off early. Well, it really doesn't even matter. If you could win your ace in game one, they're going to come back on early rest, short rest, if they want to go in game one of the second round, the divisional round for one. But beyond that, if you want to bring them back in game five, that's short rest. So there's, <laughs> there are teams out there who are going to, if you look at it and you say, you know what, we're a team that's analyzed it and short rest is, is something that works out often very poorly for pitchers, especially when you're talking about doing it with two more rounds of the playoffs still to go. There may be teams who look at it and are pit throwing out there in game five of their postseason series, their number five starter, or we're going bullpen day today. Well, and we've seen again, having that good fourth starter be critical and ALCS, NLCS, and the World Series. It's just you're going to need it around earlier this year in the divisional round because you're going potentially, you know, again, unless you sweep a team, but even the fact that you have the, ser the series before that now, you really need that guy a full round earlier. And yes, like you said, a fifth starter is certainly helpful so that you, in that divisional round, for example, don't have to throw your ace on short rest if you go to a game five or if for whatever reason the schedule lines up in such a way that moving from the DS to the CS, it's not how you want it. It's going to be critical. And, and there's some teams like we talked about who really, really have that. They can find that fifth starter. Um, you mentioned, you know, one team that I look at that in theory, they have some guys who you can see stepping up, but you are waiting to see them step up. And that is the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunjin Ryu has been great all year. Taiwan Walker has been excellent since coming over from Seattle, and he was pretty good even with Seattle. Then you have Robbie Ray, Ross Stripling, Chase Anderson, and Tanner Roark, four guys who at various points in their careers have been good. You can see a scenario where those guys go out, give you six solid innings, get some strikeouts, and put you in a good, put you in a good position. But all four of those guys have struggled this year. So for me, that's kind of one of those like teams where you look at it and you say, I can see a scenario where it works out, but I also can see a scenario where it doesn't. The Yankees who you mentioned earlier, Cole Tanaka, Jay Happ has quietly done okay and had a bit of a bounce back. You know, Jordan Montgomery and Davey Garcia have shown you some things, but James Paxton, he's hurt. He wasn't doing well before he was hurt. I don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, I don't and think the, you're counting on him. I think you're counting on those other two. And the Astros, I mean, this is a team that, I mean, they're under 500 right now. They're not doing well anyway. But to me, this is a real, real, real tough break for them because you have Zach Granke, Framber Valdez, and Christian Javier. They've done well, but they're both rookies. Lance McCullers has to be healthy and good, neither of which he had, has been this year. I think this really just goes back to pitching depth is critical, and we're going to see it even more so this year in the postseason. You have to add in there the possibility Justin Verlander is back on the mound. They're at least talking about the possibility of having Verlander back, you know, which would if make a big difference. Me, 
if he's healthy and he's Justin Verlander, it makes a big difference. But I look at the Cubs and the Phillies as two teams that I think will struggle with this, but we'll see. The one team that actually kind of piques my interest a little bit here is the Marlins. Now, there's two parts to this. Right now, the Marlins are the five seed. They would have to play the Padres if the season ended today. No one wants to play the Padres right now. The Padres offense is killing everybody. If I'm the Marlins, I want to bump down to that six seed and play the Cubs. The Cubs have a lot of big names in their offense, but again, they're not performing that well. This team's 17th in runs scored and 20th in OPS. If I'm the Marlins and I can line up Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, and Pablo Lopez to start three games against the Cubs, I really, really like my chances. And then potentially seeing what the matchups look like in the next rounds. That's a team with the starting pitching and Trevor Rogers up until his last start looked pretty good. That that's a sleeper team here for me that with the way this schedule has come together, they could possibly pop. And again, if they get to match up with the Cubs in the first round, I think that's an ideal matchup for them. The other thing that, that stands out to me, and I agree with you on that Cubs, the Cubs just simply, again, it's not a, it's a 45 game schedule right now, you know, that we're looking at, but, but that said, there's a lot of guys making a lot of outs. I, batting average is not all it's about. It's not about on base. It's about slugging, obviously. But you, you would prefer to not have half your lineup hitting between 200 and 205, which is really what the Cubs are actually doing. I'm not making that up, making that into a metaphorical argument. The other thing that stands out to me, though, about this is, again, lineups are going to be the lineups. But, but I do think that when you look at the bullpens for this, it's also a, a format to, until you get to the World Series that I think it rewards bullpen depth more than it rewards having that, that one or two lockdown aces. I mean, I think I go back to the example of, the, of Cleveland a few years ago when they made the run to, the world, to Game 7 of the World Series against the Cubs where it was the, you know Andrew Miller and Cody Allen, it felt like that one of them was going to throw two innings each night and the other one was going to throw one and they were going to flip it the next day and the other guy would go one, and then they have a day off, they'd recover, and they'd do it again. Well, that's not going to work in this. It's going to be much more of can you throw kind of a, a, a run of, of bodies, a run of guys at it. And I, I, I kind of ask you, Kyle, I mean, that's one of the things that as, as much as their rotation scares me, the lineup looks great, and I look at the Braves' bullpen, and I can't think of a bullpen better constructed for this because it's not that they have a guy. It's with them, it's like they have Shane Green, they have Mark Melanson, they have Darren O'Day, they have Luke Jackson, they have Chris Martin, they have AJ. You know, they, they just keep throwing waves of guys at you. And to me, having five or six guys that you are reasonably confident in, in a you may be playing a seven-game series over seven days, is more important than having that one or two lights-out lights closer who you feel like, okay, if we can get to the eighth, he can handle it. Well, he's not going to be able to go to the eighth on game one, game two, game three, game four in this kind of scenario. I have one other team that's in better position than the Braves, the A's. The A's bullpen this year has been lights out. Jake Diekman, J.B. Wendelkin, Liam Hendricks, Yusmero Petit, T.J. McFarlane, Keem Sawyer, Lutrevino, all these guys have been nails. And the A's to me are the team where this format fits them because of that. Jesus Lazardo has pitched well. Chris Bassett has pitched well. Mike Miner had a good start. You know, Sean Manaya has actually done okay. He was off to a rocky start, but things have been better recently. If they can get, you know, Manaya, Miner fired, one of these guys to just 
step up their game a little bit. They have the bullpen depth, I feel like, more than any other team in the major leagues to benefit from this sort of scenario because they have those waves of guys they can throw out. I, I like their positioning better than the Braves because I think their starting pitching is oh, better than the Braves. Their starting pitching but, is, especially now right now, I agree. The Braves have a better lineup, especially with the A's losing Matt Chapman for the season. So, you know, we, we can trade there, but on the whole, you're right. But those are the two teams for me, the A's in the American League and then the Braves in the National League, where the bullpen depth might be able to save them. But I still think there's an element of starting pitching you have to have here so that you don't have to run out this bullpen. These guys are throwing six or seven innings five days in a row because that will wear a bullpen out. And that's where I trust the A's staff to get these guys into at least the fifth or sixth more than I do the Braves staff consistently well, right now. The interesting thing about the Braves staff there is, is that uh, it comes down to if Max Fried is back and healthy, okay, that's an ace. That's a Cy Young caliber pitcher. If right. Ian Anderson, it's a lot to ask for a rookie who's I think on like his sixth MLB start, but Ian Anderson, if Cole Hamels can come back, there's a lot of ifs there. The, the one that I would say the flip side of this is if I'm – if I'm a Phillies fan, the idea of having to look at, oh, they're going to the pen with this Phillies club. I know they've made a couple of moves to help it, but having to do that night in and night out just seems very frightening because they've obviously been a, uh, a bullpen in disarray for much of this very, very shortened season. And I, another one, you know, like I, I, I do worry a little bit um, about the Cardinals when it comes to that. As good as their starting rotation is, I'm not as, as confident in their bullpen. And again, th there's no question that a lot of these teams are going to have a flaw that we can pick at. And I think that right now, the way I kind of order it is rotation first, bullpen second. And again, you have to have a great offense. I, I should not sit here and say that offense is third you have to be able to have a relentless lineup one through nine no easy outs to succeed in the postseason. um but i just i just feel like again if you have a good rotation that can get you consistently into the sixth and the seventh you can mitigate some of your bullpen issues a little bit like the phillies can't do that because again aaron nolan zach wheeler have been good jake arietta zach eflin and vince velasquez have not been the cardinals can mitigate that a little bit they have four legit dudes who can give you six to seven good innings every time out. And, and Kyle's going to add a little bit more on why maybe pitching is a little bit more important than hitting in this, uh, in this postseason. But before we do that, we got one more uh, message we want to share with you. It's summertime and at my bookie, that can mean only one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more at my bookie. Winning season is all about your chance to win big. You can bet the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and now the NFL. The craziest sports summer of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Make your picks. Win big. Collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of futures bets. Or you can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code BaseballAmerica. That's one word, promo code BaseballAmerica, and double your first deposit. New players get $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sport you love and the games you bet. Thousands across sports wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. So, Kyle, it's not just we talk about rotations, we talk about bullpens, but one of the things that does stand out about this is, is now that we are going to be talking about neutral sites, there's something very consistent about these neutral sites, isn't there? There is. Three of the four are major pitchers' parks. 
Petco Park and Dodger Stadium, especially in the fall with the cooler evenings, the ball does not fly. Globe Life Park in Texas, new park this year, but we have seen it play as a pitcher's park. Now, some of that data might be skewed because the Rangers offense is terrible, but even just looking at it, it's pretty expansive. So you're going to be dealing with a lot of pitcher's parks and it's going to really throw a wrinkle into things. I mean, we think about, I just go back to thinking every year about the Yankees who play in a band box in Yankee stadium. And every year their home road splits for the most part, I should say, you know, they're one team home at home and they're a completely different team offensively on the road. And we're going to see a lot more of that this year where, you know, these pitchers parks are going to tamp down some of the offense how much that will affect certain teams. Look, the Dodgers can bang no matter where they play. The Padres can bang no matter where they play. I feel good about the Braves offense in any ballpark. Same with the White Sox offense. But for some of those teams who it's more, okay, how much are they benefiting from their friendly home park? How much are they playing in the division with a lot of hitter-friendly parks with the way the schedules have been this year? Some of that's going to be exposed, I think, more than normal just given the way this is arranged. Again, the teams that get to go play at Minute Maid Park, it's less of an issue. But, you know, Petco and Dodger Stadiums, really the entire American League field, and Globe Life, you know, the National League teams that have to play there in the Division Series and the Championship Series, and then eventually the World Series for both leagues, we're going to see it play a factor. And I, do you think, again, like you said, it's, it, it is something where the ball does not fly. We also are in a world where we are in a world of strikeouts and <laughs> home runs and walks. I, it's going to be weird to see how that fully plays out. Because again, like you, we, you mentioned, we mentioned about the Cubs. The Cubs have a lot of big names in that lineup who are not particularly producing. But I do feel like that the Cubs right now are, are kind of a, a home run or bust kind of, of lineup, you know, home runs and walks. And again, obviously walks are not dependent on how well the ball flies, but that said, if you get your walks, but you, that, that home run turns into a long fly out, you know, we, it, it does, it does potentially kind of change the, the structure of some of these postseason series in a way compared to what we've been seeing in the regular season. Again, in the postseason, having a balanced lineup, that's not a one trick pony top to bottom. That's relentless. That has guys who can make contact, that has guys who can move runners, that has guys that can drive the ball into the gaps, and also guys who can hit home runs. You need it all to win the World Series. You have to hit for average. You have to hit for power. You have to do it all. You have to play smart baseball. The teams that, from our eyes, that can do that, again, and I look at the White Sox, I look at the Dodgers, I look at the Braves, I look at the Padres, those offenses – those are the teams I think you felt good about to begin with. And now it's just amplified. Same thing with, with the pitching at, like we talked about, you always really wanted to have four good starters. You could survive with three, but you really preferred to have four, especially as you got into the ALCS and the NLCS, the world series. Now all this is amplified. You need that really good fourth starter, preferably a good fifth starter as an offense. You need to be a complete offense that does not rely on, walk home run, walk home run, that has guys who can make contact. Everything that we already knew about the postseason is going to be amplified this year with the scheduling and with the neutral sites. And so what else, again, we have, you, you mentioned already with the Marlins, we, we don't have a whole lot of drama, it looks like, shaping up over the last couple of weeks of the, the regular season here. You know, 
But but one of the pieces of drama that we do have, and I don't think you can necessarily play this too fine, but are there matchups? Are there you you mentioned about the Marlins versus the Padres versus the Marlins versus the Cubs? Like again, there are still a couple of teams. If Seattle goes on an incredible run over the last uh, you know week and a half of the season here, they could conceivably still get into this but it there's not a whole lot of playoff spots on the line but are there matchups where you're like that would be the one that just seems good or bad for a particular team it's tough to say when you're talking about three game series because anything can happen anyone can win two of three these are all major league baseball players everyone can have a really good game or two and that makes a difference I think that's the one that jumps out to me the most as I kind of look at it a little bit. The Indians are a team that I'm curious what they would look like against the Rays. And I say that because the Rays have a really, really good pitching staff, but the Indians also have a really good pitching staff that that's every bit as good and frankly better. The Rays are a weird team where if you look at a lot of their guys individually, they don't have a lot of guys who are all, being all that productive offensively. It's really only two or three guys, Willie Adamas, Brandon Lau. But they've been able to mix and match enough that when you look up at it, they're still in the top 10 in the majors and runs, which is kind of crazy to me. It's just how they mix and match everyone. But if you get that Indians pitching staff against a Rays lineup of guys that, again, as individuals, you can beat – it's going to, I think that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then if the Indians can score enough runs against the Rays, that, that's a series to me where there's a lot of potential for a lot of one nothing games, two one games. And that's a series the Indians can win. It's, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting. We'll have a whole lot more to say about this as we get closer and as we get to the point where we're actually talking about matchups and not just the the concepts of the postseason, but we do want to mention again that there will be, it's not just, there won't be off days. It's 28 game, 28 player rosters, by the way, also the extra inning rule that we have seen during the regular season will not uh, be in effect. So if we want to have another one of those uh, monster games that goes deep into the night, Nadia Valdi is, uh, is getting loose right now uh, for the idea of, of maybe pitching, you know, long, you know, long into the night. So, uh, you know, we, 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 we do have that possibility back on, the, uh, back on the schedule for the postseason. I will say one thing that is interesting to me and I think is important, the break between the wildcard series and the start of the division series is three days. I think that's going to be beneficial for a lot of these teams. And really, there's always an importance, I feel like, of, hey, if you can finish off your series early, that's great. Again, more rest for guys. Also, you know, again, it's just nicer to be done with it and know you're moving on. That's going to be critical here, especially as we move into the, the division series, the championship series, because the way those are lined up right now, your one off day is your travel day um, if you have to go to game five in the division series or game seven in the championship series. If you can finish your series early this year, that's going to be so, so, so much more critical than I think it is even in a normal year. So there are off days built in and teams can earn themselves more off days in between series. And just the fact that that's the only off days they're really going to get, that's going to be an interesting subplot to watch for me. That's also to me like, okay, so let's say, again, we talk about in that second round series, let's say you bring your ace back. You, you manage to have it lined up and your ace pitches game one and game five of the division series. Well, 
That means you played to the last possible game of the division series. That means you're going to have a day off and then the LCS will start. Even if you want to bring that pitcher, that ace back on short rest, that ace is not going to have a whole lot that he can do to really take control of that LCS because you're going to have to give again, maybe he pitches twice in it. I wouldn't say maybe there's a guy who throws three times because I wouldn't say no, just because Madison Bumgarner says, Hey, remember what I did. But you know, again, exactly. I agree with you. If you can finish that, that five, that best of five series in three, well then all of a sudden, if you said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to send a race out in game one and by the way, we have that option of bringing him back in, in game five, but maybe we wait to game six if, we're, you know, if we have an advantage in the series or whatever. It just allows you a lot more options. I, again, I love this. I, I love the idea that teams are going to be more rewarded for finishing a series early, whereas in the old format, the days off meant it really just didn't matter all that much. I love the fact that a team – who has a pitching staff to handle pitching what is pitching playing seven straight games is normal for a major league baseball team. So having that be something where we have that in the postseason, that's great to me. I have no problems with this in this weird, wacky 2020, you know, that has been unusual in every way possible. This is one of the, you know, the potential bright spots. And by the way, I can't even imagine what I, what my setup is going to look like when we have eight games. I, I, I'm they haven't announced the times, but I figure that we have about a nine hour window to start these, you know, or ten. Like you're not going to start the first games before noon Eastern, and even that's probably pushing it. And I don't think you're going to want to start the last game any later than probably 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. West Coast. Maybe you go 11. So maybe you say 11 Eastern, 8 West Coast. Even then, that's a cavalcade. That is, an on, that is a torrent of baseball. And I, I don't know how many screens I'm going to need to have you know, ready to go to watch all that. We need a red zone channel. That's, that's basically yes. what we need. We need MLB Network to create a red zone channel for the postseason. Yeah, especially if you start looking at, for example, the American League playoffs being in San Diego and Los Angeles, if it ends up being a lot of teams from the Eastern time zone that are playing those games, uh, I guess that means I'll be waking up at, uh, I don't know, well, I'd, I would say a 9 a.m. Uh, local start for a noon Eastern start. I don't think they would do that, though. I don't think we'll have 10 a.m. West Coast local starts to get on TV 1 p.m. East, but you never know. There, there could be some fun scheduling. I, I, I wish I was out there. I'd head to Lunky's Lunch Cafe, get my breakfast burrito, and just head right over to the stadium. You know, it would be wonderful. Well, I've got my, my spot. Pipes, pipes and Encinitas, get a big giant egg burrito, drive down to a Petco Park, and set up shop for the day. It, it would be glorious, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so we will continue to discuss this a lot more. You know, if you have thoughts, you can hit us up on Twitter. Uh, that's pretty easy. I'm JJCoop36. And Kyle, you are? At Kyle A. Glazer. There's other Kyle Glazers out there, I guess. So I had to throw my middle initial. There's, a, there's another JJ Cooper who reports in Oregon. And we kind of every now and then trade tweets back. Like, I don't know, this one's for you. And then it's every now and then it's in for me. So it goes back and forth. But yeah, so it is, it is crazy for both of us. But uh but for Kyle, I'm JJ. This is the Baseball America podcast brought to you by my bookie. So long, everybody.